Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Delighted that you've joined us today. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan And I'm thrilled to be here with you today as we investigate the secrets of achieving financial freedom one bill at a time. And yes, you heard that correctly. Financial freedom, one bill at a time. With us is John Rickgarn, who is an investor, educator, and realtor. Since 2014, John has been on a path of financial freedom, one bill at a time, and sharing his journey with educating others through his classes, websites, blog, and podcasts. So John, take us off by telling us an experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Dr. Allen. It's great to be on here. As far as an experience, and I guess I'm going to kind of meld two of them together. Growing up, unfortunately, my life was impacted by cancer, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty drastically. My father passed away when I was 11 years old of cancer. And my mother passed away when I was 16, also of cancer. And, you know, they were in their mid 50s. Obviously, like I said, I was 11 and 16, respectively, at the time. And ironically, it wasn't until, like you mentioned, 2014, you know, when I started my investing journey, that it really kind of took bigger impact on my life where I started to look at, you know, we have been indoctrinated, for lack of a better word, go to school, go to college, get a job. You know, save in a retirement account, work your butt off for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And when you hit, you know, the age, whatever, 62, 65, 67, then you can start pulling money out of that retirement account and you are in your golden years and you ride off into a sunset and life is just unicorns and rainbows after that. And, you know, even just kind of from my experience, I just took a step back of thinking, well, that's all great. And yeah, there's various statistics out there of, well, Retirement accounts don't get the returns as they're promised, and you need to have million dollars, two million dollars, whatever saved up in your account by retirement. And you know, you can talk to several experts; they'll give you their opinion on that. And I really just kind of took a step back and thinking, well, you know, looking at my parents, even if I do everything right, what's to say that I'm going to get to that magical age of take your pick, 62, 65, 67, to retirement, and I just that day, it was actually November of 2014. I just took a step back of, you know, I've been doing, quote, the right thing ever since I started mowing lawns and working at a grocery store when I was 16, had a Roth IRA and a 401k, and just thought, well, you know, first, what if I don't make it to age, you know, retirement age? And two, is there a better way out there? 
that instead of waiting till in my 60s to start getting essentially passive income, what if I could build passive income now for today as well as in retirement, just kind of you know starting a little bit early. So from there on, I just kind of took a step back and looked at, okay, what are my monthly bills? Like you mentioned, my talk track is financial freedom, one bill at a time. So I took a look at what are all my set recurring bills, you know, come in month after month, maybe quarterly after quarter, you know, that are relatively the same. You can't do much to change them. You know, your rent, your mortgage payment, car payment, insurance, et cetera, not your food, gas, entertainment budgets. I think all of us know, okay, you know, if money's tight, you know, eat out less, drive less, don't go to the movies, you know, whatever. But if you have a mortgage payment, you got to pay that mortgage payment every month, whatever it is. And when I started looking at my bills, as well as numerous friends that I kind of pitched this idea to, it seemed like everyone had Netflix as one of their monthly bills. And whether it's Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, or whatever the new TV show is, I don't think anyone's really wanting to give up their Netflix bill. But taking it a step further, like, okay, well, Netflix, depending on your subscriptions, probably under 20 bucks a month. What's a passive income stream that you could build that would pay that monthly bill passively without working for it? In my case, I'd start with a syndication site, Realty Mogul, had invested in there and the monthly distributions off the top of my head, I think it was actually $40. But that, no. Not a huge amount by any means, but okay, that basically takes care of my Netflix bill. And okay, what's the next recurring monthly bill I have? And just kind of worked from there, whether it's passive income streams from real estate investing, syndications, note funds, basically just tying up with whatever the monthly bill is, finding a passive income stream to pay for that, pretty much set that on autopilot and then move on to the next bill. Well, what's that? You mentioned the one investment that you use to generate about $40 a month. What are some of the other types of investments you use to take care of, uh, incrementally take care of those bills? Sure. Uh, Well, after the syndications, then I started getting more into real estate investing. (laughs) Ironically, I started with the fourplex and worked my way down to single family homes. Usually people do it in reverse, but that's just how it worked from there. And even just on one of our last investment properties was in Memphis, Tennessee, where after you know mortgage, insurance, taxes, reserves, and you know setting aside some for vacancy, comes to about two hundred and fifty dollars a month in passive income, and that two hundred and fifty dollars a month pays for my or one of my insurance policies, life insurance policies, my wife's life insurance policy, and then our natural gas bill as well. So again. Kind of started from that 40 bucks a month up to various 100, 200, $250 a month passive income streams and just been kind of working my way up to there eventually to hit our mortgage, which is obviously our largest bill. And I think for most people, their mortgage or rent payment probably is their largest monthly bill. Yeah. And generally speaking, I would say that's probably what it is. So your first real estate investment was a fourplex. Was this in the community in which you live or? Yes, it was actually living in Marshall, Minnesota, home of Schwann's ice cream and Red Baron pizza. Usually that kind of gives an idea of where I'm at. But I had started in 2014 listening to podcasts, reading 
you know, every real estate and investing book I can get my hands on and had a kind of a set criteria list of what I wanted, you know, newer construction building could be managed by a property management company, hit the 1% rule, relatively, you know, cheap on insurance, you know, not in a floodplain, obviously. And like I said, hit all those points, but it was a fourplex that popped up on the MLS and obviously, okay, $300,000 property, 25% down payment. I mean, you can do the math obviously for that. And I thought of a lesson I remember from Robert Kiyosaki of don't say I can't afford it. Ask, how can I afford it? So like I said, you know, this property checked all the boxes, really wanted it and you know, wanted to start my real estate investing journey. So thought about it's like, okay, where am I going to come up with this down payment? And ironically, from our financial advisor, we were told you can take money out of a Roth IRA tax-free, your contributions, not your earnings. And I looked back, it's like, well, I opened this at age 19. I've contributed to it every year. And if I could, I even maxed out my contribution in later years. So pulled my contributions out that covered just about all the down payment. Plus we had some savings and reserves and that's how I started my real estate investing journey. But if I just pigeonholed myself or, you know, started thinking, well, I can't afford it. I'm just going to walk away. I might not be where I am today if I didn't take that first step. Yeah. You might just have walked away from a yep. really good opportunity there. Yes. There's a lot of opportunities out there for accredited investors and particularly in syndication and of various different kinds of commercial opportunities. There's not so many opportunities for non-accredited investors. So how does a non-accredited investor break into commercial real estate investing? Sure. Well, like you mentioned, yeah, unfortunately, and even today, I'm still not an accredited investor. I'm getting closer, but I'm only able to invest in opportunities for non-accredited investors. And a lot of it just comes down to networking. You know, your listeners may or may not know for accredited investors, they can invest in 506C opportunities, which basically the operator can advertise, blast Facebook, TV, whatever media they want. But with that advertising, the SEC says, okay, well, you can advertise, but you can only take accredited investors. The flip side, if you take non-accredited, you can't advertise. Well, any marketing person out there is going to say, well, if you can't advertise, how in the world did you get your <laughs> name out there? And you know, a lot of it just comes down to networking, word of mouth. I don't remember who said it, your network is your net worth. And I think the more people you know, the more connections you have, you start talking to people in similar fields. And this person knows of someone that runs a syndication, they can introduce you get that pre-existing relationship that is necessary for a 506B syndication. And then you can start investing as a non-accredited investor and work your way up towards accreditation. Yeah. And there are some other opportunities too that are out there, particularly in agriculture, in South American agriculture, there's opportunities for non-accredited investors. And many of those are returning some, some pretty good returns as well. You just have, but that also takes networking and understanding where right. those opportunities are out there. Yeah, you just can't get away from networking, particularly in the real estate industry. Well, now you are a realtor, and so you're tackling this crazy market for your <laughs> clients. Yeah. Where, where are you operating? 
typically operate in southwest Minnesota, give or take about a 60 mile radius of the town. I joke that I always pick the best times for career changes. I, in a previous life, I sold office equipment and I started that right before the Great Recession. So, of course, I get my customer list and well, they filed for bankruptcy. This one got bought out. This one wants to return the machine. You know, great time to start. And sure enough, I got my real estate license about two months before COVID-19 happened, which obviously shut down pretty much the whole world. And people were staying where they were living, maybe wanted to move, but they needed a place to move to, or they just decided to remodel their house and stay where they're at. So like you said, it's definitely a crazy market. We're way under for inventory. We've been undersupplied for, I think, 13 years now. And eventually it's going to turn around. But right now I'm just kind of back to the networking, talking to a lot of first-time home buyers as well as investors. And probably the biggest thing I'm preaching is just patience at this point. I mean, no one wants to overpay for a property. No one wants to you know, be stuck with the limit of a house. Just earlier this week, we or I was helping a client that we decided to walk away from the property. It was within our budget. She's a first-time home buyer. And unfortunately, the inspection report had some extremely glaring fixes that would probably be minimum $20,000 to fix. <laughs> and even if we were able to get some concessions, uh, my client just decided, you know, I don't think this is the house for me, where unfortunately, I know some realtors would be pushing them. It's like, oh, you aren't going to find a good deal. And inventory is low, just you know, either take it or leave it. It's like, you know, no, at the end of the day, this is someone's biggest investment, whether it's their own home or their first investment property like I had five years ago. With that big of an investment, you know, you need to do your due diligence. You need to make sure it's the right fit for you. And I think a, a mentor of mine put it best years ago, and I think this fits for any investment or even your primary home, it's better to let a good deal go away or walk away than be stuck with a bad deal. I think we've all had instances where, gosh, I should have got into you know, Bitcoin when it was a buck a coin or whatever. But for every one of those stories, you hear about someone that's lost everything on investment and they got stuck with a bad property or fund or syndication. So. Yeah. And with Bitcoin, you're going to lose some money if the market turns against you yep. in real estate. And I know this firsthand, if you get into a bad deal, you generally cannot just up and walk away <laughs> from it. <laughs> yeah. With Bitcoin, I can pull up my Coinbase app and sell within a couple minutes, even in this seller's market, 30 yep. days, I would say the absolute minimum for <laughs> turning around. And that's if it's a decent property. And in real estate, it's not just your money that you lose in a bad deal. You lose your sanity. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> and your well-being. So it can be very devastating in a lot of ways. Of course, it can be very rewarding. And that's the way, I guess, that risk versus opportunity is always something to really consider, particularly in a real estate uh, investment there. Well, where do you see yourself in 2030? In 2030, actually, I got to change that a little bit now because as of a month ago, I'm actually a first time dad. So in 2030, I'll have a probably a rambunctious nine year old running around the house. But also with the uh, 2030, that's my end goal of that both my wife and I can be financially free. 
kind of back to that one bill at a time, obviously, not only our set monthly bills are paid for by passive income, but also our discretionary bills, entertainment bills, basically everything, whether our budget's 5000 a month or whatever that number is, that's compensated by that equal amount in passive income or more. And not to say that we won't stop working, but it's a lot different feeling of working because you want to, not working because you have to. And again, like I mentioned, since I'm a new father, I want to have more free time to spend with my son, whether he's into sports or ball games or plays or whatever he's you know into. I want to be one of those involved parents that can go to the games, can go to the school performances versus, well, sorry, you know, we got to work up. Oh, sorry, we got we'll to skip this one. And, you know, I think those are the memories you're never going to get back and money can't buy for you. So money, I don't think can necessarily buy time per se, but I think it can buy sanity and free up your time to spend with more quality time with family and friends. Absolutely. Well, John, how can we get in touch with you? Sure. I think there's an old Tupac song, if I remember correctly, of not too hard to find, or I ain't too hard to find. My full name, John Rickgarn. There's actually only three Rickgarns in the entire world. So you can easily just Google me and find me right away. My last name, rickgarn.com, will redirect you to my website, Wealth and Freedom Nexus. And there you'll find information and investment opportunities that I myself have partaken in. You mentioned earlier about agriculture. I currently have a small coffee parcel in Panama. And by the end of the year, we'll have a small citrus uh, parcel in Paraguay. That's going to be my next agriculture investment. But also anything highlighted in there, I also have direct experience with. And like you mentioned before, there are investments that are available for non-accredited investors, whether if you're just starting out or you don't meet the accreditation threshold, all of them on the platform from Mid-South Homebuyers, Turnkey Property in Memphis, Tennessee, to BlockFi, which is a cryptocurrency exchange. Like I said, you can get tons of info on there, free of charge, no sign-up fee or anything like that. Oh, excellent. Well, John, share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life, and how did you come through that? What did you learn from it? Sure. Well, kind of back to the first rental property. Like I said, I had listened to, I don't know how many podcasts, and read, I don't know how many books, and, you know, okay, budget for vacancy, maintenance, property insurance, et cetera, et cetera. The one thing I never heard talked about was to factor in the homestead exclusion. In the facts, or in the case of our first rental property, the previous owner lived in one unit and then they rented out the other three. So it was their primary home as well as an investment property. When we purchased it, it became non owner occupied. So in many states, you lose what's called the homestead exclusion, which basically a tax break or a cut of what you would own on your property taxes. I still remember getting that bill and I'm looking at them like, well, the value of the property didn't go up. How did our property taxes just skyrocket You know, $800 in one year? Well, it was from the loss of the homestead exclusion. And from there, from various assessments, a new school being built, our Property taxes on the building went from about 3600 to got the bill to pay now. I think it's about 5500 a year now. And that's just in a five-year time frame. So kind of the biggest experience or biggest thing I learned from that is always, always, always budget extra, always have reserves on hand. You know, once you pay your mortgage, insurance, and taxes, I think a lot of people get hung up on, 
oh, I paid those bills. Now I can take the rest as cash flow. No, you need to keep some reserves and have a little cushion in there. I mean, if we didn't have that cushion in there, it would have been a big or quite a bit different story. And you know, it was a little bit of a setback, but we adjusted the rents accordingly. We had reserves in place and thankfully it's still a great property for us five years later. Well, I'm glad it turned out well for you. (laughs) But yes, those little things like that, we often don't think about and they can grow into really big things like that. Well, John, it has definitely been a pleasure having you with us today. So thank you for taking the time and look forward to being with you in the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at Steve. Talker.com.